Hey, Foner Church, good morning. You know, it's such a privilege for me to be invited into your home as we're worshiping differently in this really strange season that we're in. We've been doing this online for a few weeks and it really is an honor and a privilege, like I said, to be invited into your home, uh, to be invited into your living room or in the car maybe as you're driving, listening to this. Or if you've invited me into your bedroom today, then that's weird and that's your fault, not my fault. You did this to us, not me. But I'm standing up here, as you can see, on the roof of Fondren Church. We're just going to look around for a second. I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful view. We're so grateful that we're in such a beautiful neighborhood. I'm thankful to be a part of this church with a cool rooftop that we can sneak up to every now and then whenever the days get long here at the church. But as I stand up here, it's no small irony that we're starting a new sermon series today that we're calling Let Go. And today we're talking about letting go of fear how you and I have things in our life that we need to let go of, and particularly fear. Now, I stand up here on top of this roof. This is three-ish stories high, a pretty good way up. Uh, Some people who you might be watching today have a fear of heights, a fear of heights that they would call acrophobia, which affects, depending on where you look, somewhere between 6 and 15% of the population. Now, acrophobia is different than aerophobia, which I have, which is the fear of flying in airplanes. And it's interesting that those both deal with height, but they deal with height in a different way. And that's sort of how fear works. Fear is very diverse. It hits everyone in really different ways. And you and I and everyone else we know have specific fears and general fears. We have things that affect us, who we are, how we're wired, our dispositions, personality, types, the way that we were brought up. And then there are general fears, like what we're experiencing here in this COVID-19 crisis, as the world is shut down and we're not really sure what even tomorrow holds. And fear really simply defined, when I looked at a bunch of different definitions this week of fear, this is my favorite one that I found uh, from a pastor, and I wanna point your attentions to it here on the screen. Uh, It says this, fear is some unexpected occurrence that threatens our lives, our sense of stability, or our concept of self. And I wanna ask you today, what is it that you're afraid of? Now, some of you, you might immediately say, hey, I'm really scared right now uh, about this or about that. But some of you, when I ask you, what's the thing that you're afraid of? It might be tucked far, far away in your mind. You might not even know off the top of your head what it is that you're afraid of. But I would challenge you today and I would say, you do have a fear. There is something in your life that threatens that sense of self, your life, the value that you have, the thought structure that you have, the worldview that you have. There's something that's going on either today in the middle of this crisis or something that we'll know is coming when we get back to the way that things were before that makes you afraid. And here's what I wanna present to you today. It's that fear can actually be a good thing. Fear has a place, healthy fear, holy fear has a place, but it's anxiety when we hold on to fear too long. What that can do to us, that's the real problem. Healthy fear has a place, but anxiety is the thing that can eat us away from the inside. Here are a few things between fear and anxiety that I wanna present to you today. Fear can be a good thing, Healthy fear has a place, fear comes, and then it goes. 
Anxiety is that lingering, fearful feeling. Anxiety stays with us and consumes us. Anxiety leaves us on edge. Anxiety is bad for our long-term health. You see, anxiety is what you get whenever you don't let go of fear. See, fear is supposed to come and then it's supposed to go. An example I think you'll all resonate with in a little bit is uh, about a month ago, I was walking with my baby. Uh, We were walking on a road. So naturally there were gonna be cars there on that road. And I'm a pretty big guy. I was pushing a pretty big stroller because we live in Jackson and I don't want a pothole to consume both myself and my child. So we're in a big stroller. I'm a big guy. I have a relatively big baby. So you would think we'd be very visible as we walk down the road. Now, in the middle of this, lots of people are walking. I want to give you a helpful tip today. I hope this isn't your best takeaway, but it's safer for you to walk into traffic, not with traffic so that a car could come up and hit you from behind, but into traffic. And here's when it pays off. Like this moment, about a month ago, I was pushing my baby into traffic in a safe-ish way and along comes a car. And I had that moment where I thought, you know, this car probably should move over by now, maybe a little uncomfortable. And then I had to push myself and my baby off of the road, essentially into a ditch to avoid being hit by this car. Now, you're probably stereotyping like me that it was uh, a teenager, right? Someone who was texting and driving. And I'll tell you, it was the real monsters of the road. It was a 40-year-old lady in a land yacht, and she was absolutely texting. So, we had to jump off the side of the road. And in that moment, it was fear of a threat that was coming against my life and the life of my daughter that made me move into a safe place. But as I continued on my walk after this lady passed, something stuck with me, just a sticky feeling that made me question who I was, question if I could even protect my daughter because this car almost hit us. It made me question if I could be safe. It made me question if I lived in a safe neighborhood. It made me question if I was making good decisions. The fear helped me, but the anxiety began to cripple me. And that's what we see in the difference between fear and anxiety. It's when we hold on to our fear, when we don't let go, that that's the very thing that can negatively influence us. We get stuck in our head. And I want to show you today an example of where God redeemed fear in the Bible and what God says about fear in the Bible. We're looking today at 1 Samuel 21, and uh, this is a story about King David. Here's how it goes. Uh, 1 Samuel 21 starts in 10, ends in the first verse of 22. David rose and he fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath, And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Uh, Did they not sing to him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them. And he pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Then David departed from there and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and father heard of it, they went down there to be with him. Now, this story sets up the psalm that I want us to look at, and it's uh, I've got a couple of weird parts in it. 
it's really strange that David pretended to be mad. This is not an example for you to say, all right, well, whenever I'm afraid, Daniel told me that I just need to act like a crazy person and I'll get out of my, all of my problems. What we see instead is that David was in this situation that was so hard. See, he was running from Saul and he thought, okay, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to help me. And it turned out that when he thought he was going to do something to help him, it actually ended up being worse than his original situation. You know, sometimes we do that. We think that we're going to do things to help and they actually end up hurting. If you're a man and a married man, this is a daily occurrence for you, just like it is for me. We think we're going to do something that's going to be helpful and it ends up just making things worse. So what we see with David here is he was in a tough situation. He was afraid and what he did was trust the Lord that he would deliver him from a fearful situation. We see that David was in the middle of this and he said, God, I just don't know what to do. This guy wants to kill me. These people think I'm a threat to them. I'm running away from somebody anyway. So I'm just going to act like a crazy person. And maybe you'll take care of this. And God did. But David was in that moment where he just threw his hands up and he said, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I just don't know what to do. And we see this in Psalm 56, where I want us to spend the next little bit of time. It's written about this moment. Now, we don't think historically and biblically that this psalm was necessarily written by David, but it was written by someone later that looked back on this experience that David had. And the sentiment of desperation, the sentiment of fearfulness, the thought of, I just don't know what to do, is the theme of this psalm. That's why I want us to read it together today. In verse 1, Psalm 56, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk, they watch my steps as they've waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In wrath cast down these people, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I trust. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. That I may walk before God in the light of life. A beautiful psalm, a heartfelt expression. It's a moment that we all experience where we say, God, so many people are against me. God, so many things are going wrong. God, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. I'm so afraid, but I know that I can put my trust in you and you'll be good to me. Not because of anything that I have inside of me, not because of anything that I've done to make you love me, not because of any favor that I've earned or anything that I've merited in my own strength, but Jesus, because you're good and you love me, I know that you're for me. See, God gives us permission to honestly express our fears. We see here that God gives us permission to honestly express our fears. 
we see an honest psalmist here who says, God, I feel like the whole world is falling apart. I feel like everything I've tried to do is not good enough. I feel like no one cares about me. Like no one's got my back. Everyone around me, they're coming for me. Everything about my life is difficult circumstances. And we don't see in this psalm, God rebuke the psalmist. And we can look outside of just this passage and we can see that God allows for us to grumble, to groan, to cry out, to say, God, the world is not how I feel it's supposed to be. And we know that God gives us room to express our fears, honestly and openly with him. Second, this passage shows us that a fearful life reveals a lack of trust. A fearful life, it reveals a lack of trust. See, we're afraid, we hold on to fear when we feel like God can't get the job done. Like he's not going to come through in time. Like he's not going to come way, come through in the way that we want him to. Like he's not going to come away with the win, with the final victory. See, our fear reveals a lack of trust. Whatever situation, whatever circumstance we're fearful of, that shows that we don't trust God to take care of that situation. And fear is so innocent people. It's the earliest and the most primal human emotion. I just mentioned before that my wife and I had a baby a couple of months ago, and that is a wild experience, (laughs) being in the room whenever a baby's born, so many people, so many well-trained medical professionals. I'm so thankful for those of you that deliver babies and do everything else on the medical spectrum. But when we were in that room, you know, it's uh, the beautiful moment where our daughter finally came into the world when she was born. The first thing she did was cry. Now, like, why do babies cry? It's not because they're sad. It's not because uh, they really know anything different from before. It's not like they have a reason to grieve or a reason to be sorrowful or even a reason to be angry, but it's fear that makes babies cry. They wanna go back to the warm place that they were before. They're wondering what all these lights are. They wanna know why people are rubbing them down with towels. They wanna know why they gotta wear a bracelet and a dumb hat all of a sudden. Babies are afraid. It's that early primal emotion. And we still have that inside of us. When things don't go our way, when we're confused, when we don't think that two and two makes four, we grow fearful. And fear reveals a lack of trust. If I'm honest with you, so often Psalm 56 looks different for me. Instead of seeing that God is going to deliver me from my enemies, I think that God's turned me over to them. And while I don't have real wartime enemies coming to kill me, I have people in my life that I feel like have disappointed me. I have expectations and dreams that I feel like I'm supposed to have that don't come through in the time that I want them to. People disappoint me. People die. Money doesn't always work out like I wish it would. And when I hold on to the fear of those moments, I grow anxious. And that anxiety, that fear, proves that I don't trust that God is going to be good enough. See, we see here in this passage that when we hold on to fear, we show our weakness. But when we let go of fear, we show God's strength. When we hold on to fear, we show our weakness. When we let go of fear, we show God's strength. And I want to end this 
today with this quote by John Stott, John Stott, the late great Anglican pastor, so formative in modern worldview. He really paved the way in the way that people in then the 20th century thought about the world and thought about God. And this is what he says. Many Christians are paralyzed by fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the occult, circumstances, people, demons, even the number 13. For example, many high-rise hotels in America do not have a 13th floor. The floors are numbered 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, because citizens are too superstitious to sleep on the 13th floor. They do not seem to have the intelligence to realize that there is still a 13th floor, even if you call it the 14th. How can we be paralyzed by fear if the very things of which we are afraid are under the feet of Jesus? Jesus is Lord, so what are you afraid of? If it's under his feet, how can we dread death? How can we think of death as anything but a trivial episode, a transit lounge between life here and life in its fullness? If Jesus the Lord has destroyed death and him who has the power of death, that is the devil, it is because of the supreme lordship of Jesus over sin and death that we ourselves can be saved from death. And here's what I want to say to you. Here's what I'm praying for myself, what I'm praying for you today, is that we would see God as one who cares for us in our fears. God who sees what our fears do to us. This Psalm says he collects our tears in a bottle and he writes them down in his book. God knows your pain. So many of you have been through such terrible things in this life. You've lost people. Businesses have been taken from you. You have people who've walked out on you. Your finances haven't worked out like you thought they would. You kept a secret for too long and it's come back to bite you. And here's what we see is that so often we're paralyzed by fear that we don't live the lives of faithfulness God's called us to do. Fear holds us back, but his love, his perfect love casts out fear. And we can trust that this is a God who knows our fears, who cares for us in our fears, wants to see us through our fears. So even today in this cultural moment where we don't know what this pandemic holds for us, we don't know what this holds for the world, and when things go back to normal, the things we're still afraid of, we can know that we serve a God who in the garden was so fearful that he sweat blood, so afraid of the things that he was supposed to do, our Lord Jesus. And we know that we serve a God who knows intimately our fears and gives us the assurance that he'll care for us in them and he'll see us through them.